0: me as the father draws them thank you god our father that you gave up your son for us i pray for every benefit that flows from the cross that we can become well nourished in you amen amen (coughs) How are we all today? Good to see you. Are we awake today? Okay. I'd like to share a few testimonies before I start to open you to the Holy Spirit Amen testimonies are good because it shows us that God's living amongst us, Amen (coughs) Amen. Okay. So, I had a busy week last week. Um, God rest his soul. My uncle passed away. Thank you to Pastor Tony. He took over for that week. It was a good week. The Holy Spirit showed me a lot of things. And I like to share this testimony with you. I don't know how we sit with you. But I looked at it with a deep regret. So I went to cut my hair to get ready for the funeral um, the day before. <coughs> and I walked into the hairdressing place and there were the man was preaching the gospel um, to another client but he was speaking about what happened between me and him. And I walked in, and that man that was getting his hair cut probably went paled, because in that moment I walked in, he went actually like a ghost. I don't know if he was going to spew up, he got paled. I said, it's okay, bro, it's okay, I'm just going to cut my hair. And um, (laughs) it was interesting. And I like to share it. So I ended up ministering to him. And um, the anointing of God came so powerful in the room. There was probably a full house, probably 10 people inside the place. And he started to manifest. Just from the anointing of preaching the gospel. That's how I like it to be. Is the raw gospel wherever we go. Thank God. So this this lady walked into the room. To get her um, son a haircut He he was autistic And um, she was e-dropping on our conversation the whole time And I can see that she's listening the whole time And she said to me Can I stop you for a moment? And I said yeah She goes you know I had an encounter with Jesus face to face Look how God ordained that time It's actually like God's time Thank God But this is who we are. We are here for God's appointed time, for his calling upon our lives. And the Bible says, yes, to be ready in and out of season. We know this. But just how God prepares those times, it's beautiful. And she said, I fell off a bike. She was a non-believer. And I said, share your testimony in front of everyone. She's a non-believer. She's probably uh, no, she's not here. And she, I said, share your testimony. She goes, she was on a mountain bike trail. And she fell head first and hid herself on a rock. And she passed out. Her husband's trying to wake her up. And Jesus comes to her. She said, I couldn't see his face. It was all light. And he said to her, you don't know me yet. But and you will not die but I want you to get to know me before you die and he gave her a white book with all scripture in it and I believe the Lord was telling her to read your Bible (laughs) like imagine Jesus coming to you telling you to read your Bible basic instruction but that's how Jesus wanted her first in, uh, interact with her. And she said to me, um, she said to me, I didn't do too much with my faith after that. And she goes, I believe in him, but I, I didn't pursue it. And I believe God put me in the right time there to invite her if she wants to pursue it. Invite her. God only invites, never forces. Or it's not grace. He only invites. Everything God does it's through invitation. And um she was sharing her testimony and the guy on the left hand side, I couldn't see him, he had his back to us, he was cutting his hair. He stands up, he goes, Listen to this guy, everything he says. He goes, you don't remember me, but four years you preached to me. I was a drug addict and I gave my life to Christ and I changed from that day. And I started to cry in the headdressing place. Because of the power of planting seeds and preaching the gospel. And you don't know. People thinking I need to preach what God called me to preach. You're actually saving their lives. Paul says, How can they how can they believe if they never heard? And he goes, listen to him. He goes, bro, I'm still walking with Christ. I didn't come to your Bible studies anymore, but I'm still walking with Christ. I said, my friend, you need to come back. But that's up to them. And he goes, thank you. Four years ago, I preached to him. I gotta remember you. And that that's the, the point of this story is that we have a great calling, each one of us don't be like those people who who do nothing with it. If I can share it like this way, don't become common with your faith. There's so much that God called us for. And it's a beautiful journey, amen? It's a beautiful journey. But not when you're stuck. Not when you're gaining momentum. And we preached and it was a beautiful, beautiful day. It was beautiful. I'll save the other testimonies to another day. So, a lot of people ask me. <clears throat> the role of the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit was we have the for Jesus say, it's better for me to go. he shows you how much you are to value the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. How much I value the Holy Spirit now, and how careful I am that He orchestrates my life and he dictates my life and dominates my life, is crucial. I can't tell you. You know, the sad part, the sad part, I'll say it humbly, but not to look down on anyone, is Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit will teach you, not you will teach yourself through the Word of God. That's the saddest part. And I, I speak my heart like I like I want to. The saddest part is, the Holy Spirit doesn't have ownership of your soul. The moment He owns you, He can talk to you like this, and share with you all the abundance of the revelation that's in Jesus. So we've become common where we, we know about Jesus. But Jesus said, it's better I go. I'll send you the Holy Spirit. You know, the New Testament believers, they didn't even have the Gospels. If you want to go that one step more, they didn't even have the Gospels. They were the Gospels. They were the walking epistles of Christ. Now, we, we have such a head start in our journey. This is not too... Put anyone down, but we we have such a head start in our journey. We have all the the tools to move forward with the Lord. But how you treat the Holy Spirit in your life it's crucial. But people tell me, uh, where do I start? And it's a good question. You know why so many people default and they they return to their old life, or they mix their old life with the new life, it's because they don't know how to work with the Holy Spirit. They don't know how to you know, do life with the Holy Spirit. And today I'm going to give you a picture of what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into you. He doesn't touch you. He comes into you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He comes inside of you. When you know that God lives inside of you, let me tell you something. You'll be so careful with your life. God is inside of you. Just fathom this. Just think about that. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, it's inside of you. You know, when I understand this, I give him this reverence. But what are you to focus in the beginning? Now, imagine someone comes to you, stop sinning. Why are you doing this? Why are you acting like this? Why is your character like this? Why is your behaviour like this? Why are you continuously going to the path of darkness? Why are you not moving? Why are you stuck? I put it down to one major thing, I'm gonna speak about it today. The sad thing that I've seen is we, we negotiate with people, Jesus has got amazing things for you. He's gonna use you for mighty things. It's so relevant today in the churches today. We negotiate with people to follow Christ. Is that an invitation? That's not an invitation. That's why so many people don't see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit like He does manifest through the Word of God. Because we're negotiating with people. We're trying to sell them the gospel where it's meant to be repented and and given over to. Now I'll tell you how the Holy Spirit taught me. I can only give you what He gave me and how He brought me to this place. I learned that God is not an emotion, he is the truth. So stop coming to God through the emotions, through the feelings. I learned where to focus and to establish myself on. So where where are you to focus in the beginning? Let's say you're continuously defaulting. Let's say you're mixing your new nature with the old nature. Let's say you're in a path of rebellion, come back to repentance. Bible speaks about it. Hebrews 10 speaks about it, the doctrines of Christ. Let's say you're in a, in, a, in a rut. Let's say you're in a cycle or a habit. What is the real problem? If I want to know something, I want to know what the Holy Spirit needs to do when he first enters me. You know why? Because every step after that will be established. And you will be built on a healthy relationship in your faith. God's interested with a healthy relationship. He doesn't cut corners. And know with our people, when we first got saved, uh, we are the we are the, the light of the world and we wanted to save everyone. And we made a we made a massive mistake in the beginning where we didn't allow the Holy Spirit to first work in us or to do what he needs to do inside of us. So I'm gonna share what what's where does the Holy Spirit really focus in the beginning of your journey? So I'll read this from John sixteen. But I'm gonna take a different approach. Holy Spirit m- navigated me perfectly through this and I'll bring it to you how he showed me. John sixteen five to fifteen. Can everyone see that? I'm only joking. <laughs> That's the biggest we can get at, Crystal. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now let's let's focus here. Let's see where the where the Holy Spirit works on first, the first area. You've probably read this scripture a thousand times, but I'll take you to the direction God took me. This is, He says, But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts and taken complete possession of them. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, The advocate, the intercessor, counsellor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. And he, a person of the Godhead, and he, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin. Now this translation is perfect because it shows you how to deal with your sinful nature. Okay? I love this translation because it nails it. It says, but, And he, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a saviour. Now, isn't that interesting? That how sin is dealt with. You're not called to fight sin. You're called to know who saved you. Now, I really believe this, this verse in itself has so much value to why people keep relapsing in their journey of faith and feeding the old carnal nature. It's because they struggle to know the depths of what Christ done for them and how they truly welcomed that in their hearts. Now I keep going. He will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior and about righteousness and about judgment, about sin and the true nature of it. Because they don't believe in me and my message about righteousness, personal integrity, godly character because I'm going to my Father, you will no longer see me. About judgment, the certainty of it, because the ruler of the world, Satan, has been judged and condemned. Now, we'll go back there. You see, you see the steps of what he deals with. What does he deal with first, the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon your life? The guilt of sin. And the need for a savior. So let's say now the Holy Spirit's, Working in your life, the first thing that he touches is your sinful nature. Now, your sinful nature—it's—it's it's big. John says it like this: John the Beloved. Do we all know it? The lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. It's not—it's not a walk in the park. You know. Something, you know, the grace of God, you've never taught yourself about it. But what you have taught yourself is how to live in the flesh all your life before Christ. You've trained yourself in this way. You've learned how to feed your flesh, how to enslave your flesh, and how to live out of that domain. So it's not a walk in the park where it's just going to flick off you in that moment. It's not. And when you know this, you'll be patient with your journey. There's something. When you come to Christ, you don't know what the grace of God means yet. You don't know the price that he paid. But what you have learned is how to live from your flesh and how to feed its desire. And how to be a prisoner to the flesh. So, in the beginning, there is a lot of undoing. Is it really a giving from the Holy Spirit or is it an undoing? Really, when you see that verse there, about everything the Holy Spirit focuses on, it's more about the undoing. So, when I understood this, I didn't ask God, use me, Lord, for your glory, use me for your purpose. I focused on the things that he has to undo from my heart. I focused on the areas that need attention. It's Very important, you, you are built on the right foundation. So important. So it's interesting, the first encounter you have with the Holy Spirit is to deal with the very thing that you've fed all your life. All your life, you fed this place. It tells us the jealousy, the envy, the lust of the flesh, the pride, the bitterness, the resentment. Tells you everything from that ra- that realm of pride you have fed all your life. So you begin to really take a step back. And allow God to humble you and work on you in this area. Can I say something to you? How do you stand without not getting burnt out in the beginning? This is the issue. We have an issue that so many people are burnt out. How can you stand without being burnt out, weary, restless and tired? and frustrated because you're not moving forward. I teach you how God built me in the right foundation. How many people are tired, restless, frustrated, and living out of that realm of the flesh. It's because they didn't establish themselves on the right foundation. You know, it's interesting here, It's interesting here, the first encounter that you have is for him to convict you from the guilt of sin by showing you that you need a saviour. What does that tell you? Out of everything the Holy Spirit focuses on, what does that tell you? I'll show you the first step where the Holy Spirit focuses on and the step that kickstarts starts your journey as a believer. Who wants to move in the Holy Spirit, especially from this very thing? Jesus went through it, the three temptations. Before he entered into the Father's will, Jesus went through it as well. Now, what's the biggest thing that allows us to relapse and to mix our old nature with the new nature? Or be not submissive in the way that we should. What's the real issue? The real issue of how sin is dealt with is one word. i share it with you. Identity. That's how sin is dealt with. Your identity with Christ. Today, we have our identity crisis. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what God wants from them. It's true. If I was to ask one of you here today, where are you going for Christ? You know people say to me? I don't know. You know why? Because God hasn't spoken to me yet. Think about it. Does a voice just come for the sake of coming? Or is it something that you have to prepare yourself for? We have enough struggles of our own just to get out of the realm of the flesh, the realm of where sin is. And the Bible says, you know, let us move beyond this. So I'll share with the beginning, the first important and most important thing is your identity. Now I'm going to share with this, share with this here. We'll go straight, I'll go straight to that verse. We go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 6 to 13. Now this is, the Holy Spirit showed me this here. It's very powerful. I'll take my book with me. Now, I bless your hearts. Now, the first thing regarding our identity, the first step regarding our identity, there's one major key that St. Paul wants us to know that will establish you on the right foundation. Speak about it. It's here. It's very powerful. It will change the way you walk with Christ. Now, it says here, It says, from Colossians chapter 1, verse 6 to 13, it says, Which has come to you indeed, just as in the whole world the gospel is constantly bearing fruit and spreading by God's power, just as it has been doing among you ever since the day you first heard it and understood the grace of God. Now identity is linked with what? Understanding the grace of God in truth. Now, where do you begin with this? There are some scriptures I hear every single week. We are we are not under the law, we're under grace. Yeah? We're saved by grace, lest any man boast of his works. That's for heaven. That's not for here. You're saved. Your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I think we've seen the grace of God very shallow. Very shallow. It says here that Paul wants us, he says you are constantly bearing fruit and spreading by God's power, just as it has been doing among you ever since the day you first understood the grace of God in truth. So what's the foundation God wants to build regarding your identity? Understanding the grace of God over your life. It's the first foundation that kickstarts starts your journey and there the cross is poured out upon all of us the power of it and the value of it this is how you were transformed and this is how your identity is renewed it's crucial that you know this crucial because i'll tell you something the amount of people that i'm praying on probably in the last 3 months there's been a there's been an overwhelming uh, response to prayer it's regarding the identity i really believe that if you don't understand your identity you would not you would not know how to fight you wouldn't know what you're fighting for so let's have a let's have a look at this the first key of God's power working through us and the gospel bearing amazing fruit in us is understanding the grace of God over our lives. So let's have a look at the first scripture. We go to 2 Timothy, verse 1 to 9. At least someone agrees with me in the back. So when it comes to your sinful nature... You know, I have to stop doing this. I have to, I shouldn't be going down this path. Why is my mind, why is my mind and my heart continuously operating in the realm of the flesh? It's an identity issue. You fix your identity, naturally, you operate from that identity. Very important, you know, this. So the question is. The question is, are you building on the right foundation? So let's have a look here. We go to just 9. Uh, only to verse 9. Can we get it in just one scripture? Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Now the first foundation of understanding the grace of God begins here. Can I share this with you? You know the grace you know grace, the grace of God or the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ has many dimensions and many levels. And I'm gonna show you today how they have many dimensions and many levels that you can operate from or operate in. I'll tell you where the common church are operating from. It's probably the second step. So let's read it. 2 Timothy verse 1 to 9. It says, For he delivered us, and saved us and called us with a holy calling a calling that leads to a consecrated life a life set apart a life of purpose not because of our works or because of any personal merit we can do nothing to earn this but because of his own purpose and grace his his amazing undeserved favor which was granted to us in Christ Jesus before the world began eternal ages ago so you see here, what Jesus Christ done, it's by grace that we receive it. So what does, what does Paul mean when he said that you've truly understood the grace of God? You've truly understood the price that Jesus paid for your own soul. And that in itself is a love story. That in itself is identity restored. That he loves you. And the terrible death that he paid on the cross for you was for you. So there are many dimensions. I'm going to speak about it. But the first, the first, the first one here is that it was given to us before the universe was formed. It was given to us ages ago from the beginning. we go to the second key or the second point, Titus chapter 2 verse 11 to 12 so remember I'm speaking about the role of the Holy Spirit what does the Holy Spirit do when he first begins in your journey he forms the identity of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in you you cannot move unless you know this you cannot move unless you know this So Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 12, it says, For the remarkable undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible upright and godly lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. So number two here, it shows you how grace begins to work. Is a grace a one-off thing? No, grace is what? It's a teaching. It's a process. So you start to see here, okay, now I'm understanding now that by grace He saved me. Now the second grace that I have to receive is what? He's going to teach me now how to undo the flesh. He's going to teach me now how to undo my sinful nature. He's going to teach me now how to work on my character. You need to get this. Because so many people at this stage, they get burnt out. That's just the second stage. They get burnt out from this. It's too hard. Why am I going through this? Why are these things surfacing? You have to understand that's the grace of God in you doing this. It's actually a blessing. It's actually the way you should see it as God working in you. It's very important that you know this, because this prepares you for what—a process. This prepares you for a, a long walk with the Lord. Now, I show you the—I show you the good and the bad. I don't only like to preach about the good. We go to Hebrews ten. I haven't put that Hebrews ten, verse twenty six. 31. If we can get that up there. I'd like to show you the best of both worlds. Okay? It's very important. Okay. So let's have a read of this. You know the grace of God can be insulted? you can actually insult the spirit of grace that's inside of you okay so if we go will, if we go on willfully and deliberately sinning after receiving the knowledge of truth there no longer remains a sacrifice to atone for our sins that is no further offering to anticipate but a kind of awful and terrifying expectation of divine judgment and the fury of a fire and burning wrath which will consume the adversaries, those who put themselves in opposition to God. Anyone who has ignored and set aside the law of Moses is put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much greater punishment do you think he will deserve who has rejected and trampled under the foot the Son of God? and has considered unclean the common, the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and has insulted the spirit of grace. Now, who imparts the unmerited favor and blessing of God? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, retribution and the deliverance of justice rest with me. I will repay the wrongdoer, and again the lord will judge his people it is a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living god incurring his judgment and wrath so here it shows you that the that the grace of our lord jesus christ is so powerful that it kept him on the cross but it also can be it can also be insulted that's when you choose to willfully sin and continue life in this area. And that is the truth. I can't interpret that verse. That is the truth. So I'd like to show you the best of both worlds so we can understand. The reverence we are to show. The love and the godly fear. They are together. The love of God and the fear of God. They work hand in hand. The grace works hand in hand like this. The third key, which is a, thank God, toned down now. It's toned down now. Now in the beginning, your identity, and I'll say it like this. In the beginning, your identity is built around this verse. In the beginning, you're in need of so much of this. Let me read it. The third key from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, is that the grace of God is available and present in time of mercy and help. Now, in the beginning, it's crucial. If this scripture is not established in you, the hardness of heart will enter you. And all the snares of the enemy, condemnation, guilt, unworthiness, separation from God, a continuous life in rebellion. If you don't establish this verse inside of you, you cannot go to get washed. And unfortunately the enemy will plant all those seeds of you feeling disconnected from God, condemned, unworthy, guilt, hopeless, bound, captive. now here it says here in hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 and 16 for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weakness and temptations but one who has been tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human now how much joy does that put in your heart that god understands when you are struggling to overcome in the flesh It shows you that all the things that are hidden and working behind the scenes, he knows about, but he's waiting for you to bring them to him. That is the greatest grace of God in the beginning. If your identity in the beginning is not built on this scripture, I'm telling you, discouragement will enter your heart. Being burnt out will enter you. Because the sin that God's trying to wash and deal with will end up overcoming you and entrapping you. So we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weakness and temptations. But one who has been tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need and appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. Amen. So what the enemy knows this, in forming your identity, the enemy knows this. So he'll get you so, away, so far away from prayer and so far away from being alone with God so you can actually confess them and get washed by them and he'll Sell you the lie of, I've tried to overcome, and I just can't overcome it. It keeps on happening to me. I'm bound by this. The enemy will sell you that lie, which eventually takes you away from prayer, takes you away from that throne that was meant to wash you, and to cleanse you, and to help you. Are we understanding? So building your identity, this verse is crucial in the beginning of your journey. Because believe me, in the beginning, in the beginning, I I probably lived there. I lived there, the majority in the beginning of my journey. There were so many things that the Lord had to wash me from, which was actually designed for. The throne of grace was actually designed to help you and for him, of what he truly done on the cross to actually manifest its glory inside of you. And what what does the Bible say? He came to take away sin. Jesus came to take it away from you. People think Jesus came to forgive us our sins. He came to take it away. That earthly nature, that fleshly nature that never wants to do the things of Christ. He came, he came to take it away. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? The three temptations. Satan only attacks you at the realm of this world. All sin comes from the realm of this world. Okay. Next one, we go to 1st Peter chapter 5 verse 10. You begin to understand how deep the grace of God is and you begin to understand the benefits of the grace of God. One is a teaching, one is a washing, one is a restoration. They all work in different ways. But if you don't know the grace of God, you'll quote that scripture. I'm saved by grace, lest any man boast of his good works. I think everyone's common with that scripture. But when you understand the true grace of God, what does that do? It prepares you for your journey. If there's anything that God is interested with, through the Holy Spirit, is to prepare you to walk it out. What did Paul say? I have finished the race. I fought the, I fought the good fight of faith and I finished it. The Holy Spirit is interested in what? How you begin? No, how you're sustained and how you walk. He's interested in this. And where's it built? Identity. If you don't understand your identity, you will not be able to walk it out. It's crucial. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. This all stems from what Paul said in Colossians. You have truly understood the grace of God. The Holy Spirit focuses on what in the beginning? Understanding the grace of God in your life. So let's read it here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Now look what it says here. Look how God identifies himself as the God of who? God of grace. That's the benefit of Jesus at the cross. Because grace and truth came from where? Jesus Christ. He is the meaning of grace. And there is a law in heaven, the throne of grace, that awaits you every day to get help and to receive mercy. What holds mercy? The throne of grace. This shows you that whatever you're going through, God's already allowed you to get washed and to get cleansed and to get renewed. It's crucial. So in my journey, if I can share this with you humbly, where did my strength come from? How hard I can pray? How hard I can fast? How much I can read the Bible? How much I can do for God? No, the grace of God. That's an unmerited favor for the ages to come it was given that's where i exert my strength from from his grace that's where the true power is birthed that's why i never fight anything in my strength i understood who am i to rely on so first peter chapter 5 verse 10 you know how much i quoted this scripture When I struggled in the beginning, all the attacks that the enemy turned against me, all the things that he had for my downfall, this scripture gave me the greatest comfort in my heart. That whatever I'm going through, I'm going to get restored. It gave me the greatest joy to know that I'm only going to suffer a little while. This is not my destiny. That in itself changed my identity, how I do life with God. Because I learned that no battle that comes my way is there to, to make a residence inside of me. And out goes discouragement, out goes failure, out goes defeat. Why? Because I know God's going to restore me. And what's birthed from this? Hope. And hope never puts you to shame. Because love of God has been poured into your heart by, you see where he focuses? So look here, and the God of all grace who called you to eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself, what? Restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. You see where the grace of God is? You see, if you understand the identity of the grace of God in life, what happens? You will never fail. You will be strong. So Satan knows this. He will, he will put many traps to stop you from going to God. He will put you many traps to, to, to entangle you with the world. Now, that's another thing. Wait until I get this bottom part you begin to think deeply about your life. Because next is a deeper layer of the grace of God. A deeper layer. So this scripture saved my life in the beginning. Because hope was birthed there. All the lies of the devil putting failure in me, defeat in me, a slave to me. I knew that if I can continually seek him and walk with him truthfully, he's going to deliver me. Out goes the lies of the devil. Out they went. So grace has a powerful meaning. One's a process, one's a washing, one's a restoration, one's a um, a foundation. You start to see it's, it's, it's not something you use lightly. It's something you prepare for. The next one. Now, this is where it gets, this is the dividing wall, this scripture here. So let's say you've received the grace of God. Let's say you received the grace of God to be saved, which everyone has. This is where it gets, uh, I wouldn't say tricky, but this is where you start to see of the true grace that's upon a person's life. Would you like to see it? I show it to you. We go to James chapter four, verse one to six. I'd like to read it in context so you can see. Why isn't the grace of God continuously working in my life? Why isn't God giving me more of his grace? Because the Bible says that he gives more grace. Grace is not something you receive, grace is something that you work with. And cooperate with, and God bestows more grace. Am I walking in this area where God's bestowing more grace upon me? And what is the reason why God is not giving me more grace? Now, this is a uh, if I if I was to put Christians in categories today, it's this scripture here, but I say it humbly of why they cannot move to the next realm of the. Of the spirit of grace in their lives. Let's read it. James chapter four, verse one to six. Now it's interesting here because it gets intense. Now, what leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts among you? Do they not come from your hedonistic desires that wage war in your bodily members, fighting to control? fighting for control over you you are jealous and covet what others have and your lust goes unfulfilled so you murder you are envious and cannot obtain the object of your envy so you fight and battle you do not have because you do not ask of it, of god you ask god for something and do not receive it because you ask with wrong motives out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda So that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your hedonistic desires. You adulterous, disloyal sinners, flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend, that is loving the things of the world, is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says to no purpose that the human spirit which he has made to dwell in us lusts with envy? But he gives, he gives what? More grace. What's the issue why people cannot receive more grace? Because they're serving the world. Their heart is inside the world. And whatever they get, they want to spend it for the world, not for the kingdom of God. So God gives more grace. It says here, he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and to live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud. The one who is in the world will not receive more and more grace because he hasn't understood why God put him on earth. You were put on earth to what? Glorify your Father, Spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ. So you start to see here, well, God can give more grace now, but how come I'm not benefiting from this? How come I'm not receiving this? Have I let go of the old nature? Because the old nature is what's a friend to this world. It's your old nature. The fallen nature. So here, if there is a line that I can draw between why Christians or believers are not getting promoted by the grace of God And they're not receiving more and more grace is because they they don't want to give up their earthly domain. Remember, you're seated now in heavenly places. You have the mind of Christ now. You have a purpose for the kingdom now. Yeah, If you do not know this, you will remain in this world. And the only grace, unfortunately, you receive is that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So you see how important understanding the grace of God? He gives grace to the humble. What is the humble? He knows now what is his purpose on earth. He knows the purpose on earth. And the rest of the things. You read this, you'll get so much from this. But I'm just bringing to your attention That grace is something that you receive for salvation, grace is a teaching, grace is a washing, a place you find mercy, a place you find help, a place you find restoration, a place you receive steadfastness, foundation, it's massive. And you start to see, if you don't understand this, if you don't understand this, you will not be able to overcome sin. Number five. So this is interesting here. Of where does your strength come from? Hebrews thirteen nine. Now let's read this here. You start to see, well, I better pay attention now to forming my identity in Christ. I better feed my spirit every day to know who I truly am. And where does God feed me from? From which well does he feed me from? Now look what it says here. Don't be carried away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be established and strengthened by by the grace it shows you what you are to focus on all your strength is nurtured by what the grace of God and it says here and not by foods rules of diet and ritualistic meals which bring no benefit or spiritual growth to those who observe them now this really is talking about a different kind of people Probably the ones who followed the law of Moses, but this has some value of it in our own traditions. It does. Where they? I won't go there. (laughs) I won't go there. It's all right. I let the scripture just talk for itself. Yeah. Look, I'm really getting messages. (laughs) Okay, now it gets very interesting. Now you can see, okay, am am I in it or not? Am I actually in it or not? I really believe here we have many identities, as a father, as a husband... As a as a mother or a wife A daughter or a son But the greatest identity that God wants you to have Is Of how you belong to him And what's that speak of? Your heavenly calling Because in heaven you will not have this anymore What matters most to Jesus Your calling on earth with him If you can understand this You'll put Jesus first above all, which is what you're called for. So let's go here to Romans chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. Now, there's probably another six more keys. And I want you to guess the last one. The final destination of the true grace of God. Okay, so let's read this here. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. It says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, special messenger, personally chosen representative, set apart for preaching the gospel of God, the good news of salvation, which he promised beforehand through his prophets, In the sacred scriptures the good news regarding his son who as to the flesh his human nature was born a descendant of David to fulfill the covenant promise and as to his divine nature according to the spirit of holiness was openly designated to be the son of God with power in a triumphal and miraculous way by his resurrection from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord it is through him that we received grace for apostleship to promote obedience to the faith and make disciples for his namesake among all the Gentiles that is us to make what? disciples so there is something there is something that God wants to establish that when we are strengthened we are called to strengthen our brothers and our sisters that's what Jesus said to Peter when you're strong Go strengthen your brothers So there is a process that you will undergo But when you are strong you have to give back to what God done for you To the people I'm telling you there is something that you will learn That others will not be able to learn God's given a grace to every person to impart true wisdom of God So here it talks about your calling Have you ever thought about this? Am I in this sphere or realm of grace where I'm in a grace now to make disciples? Does God just want to save you for the sake of it? No, he saves you to save others. What does this speak of now? Now we are entering into a grace of what? Responsibility. Are you responsible or are you always in need of God? Are you always asking God, give me, help me, give me, help me, give me? No. Are you in a place now where you are giving back to his people? This is how you can see the level of where you are in the grace of God. And it's okay. If you are there, so be it. Work on this area. But this is how you see the different dimensions and levels of grace that is actually working in your life. You start to see. So now the grace is given for what? To, for our apostleship to promote obedience to the faith and to make disciples for his name's sake. What? Obedience to the faith. Be obedient to your faith. And what does that lead you to? Making disciples. You start to see the dimensions of grace. What does that show you? Your identity as a son, Yeah, Identity as a son and daughter of Christ And then what does that show you now? Paul speaks about it As a worker of Christ As a worker, as a worker, as a worker Now I work for Christ I have a different identity now Now I represent him By giving the gospel to people So there is a worker But I don't want to speak about that now but I'm just showing you different dimensions and the different levels you can see where you are. Someone will say, okay, where am I? Where do you think I am? The grace of God has appeared. It teaches us to deny all ungodliness. Most Christians are in this dimension where the undoing of the flesh, undoing of the old nature, they're in a tug of war. Tug of war. We all start there, but you're not meant to stay there. You see the vision that God wants to put inside of you? And you see the eagerness you need to have to pursue who you are as a person of Christ? Next one. Number seven. We go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God's grace is what allows spiritual gifts to be given to us so we can faithfully serve one another. We're not seeing this in this church yet. We haven't seen the spiritual gifts come upon the church yet because we're not ready for it. But I'm showing you where God is taking us. Now we're seeing it in dribs and drabs, but we're not seeing it in the way that we should. Why? Because there's an identity crisis. That's why. We're praying in the Spirit here, and people are not here. They haven't trusted that the Holy Spirit going to actually speak and build us, or to speak to us. When the Acts of the Apostles, they were gathering together, fasting and praying to get direction from the Lord. Man, we can't even come for a message. You start to see the eagerness you need to have for the Holy Spirit. Because He's in this room. He's wanting to establish and appoint us. To do his will and his work. You start to see now. This message is not for me. When you understand this message is for the people. You will come to hear what God has for you. But you start to see the levels and dimensions of where you are as a believer. You'll start to see. The the last point was what? The grace to apostleship to call everyone to the obedience of faith, and which leads to making disciples. Next one talks about the grace that's given to the body of Christ, through the grace of God, to operate in spiritual gifts for one major reason, to serve one another. It shows you the identity that needs to be in you to have a servant heart, which is birthed out of love for God's people. Now, these graces that are coming out is more about responsibility. Responsibility. Are you in it or you're not? You have a responsibility now from the Lord. I think it's best that you hear it today so you can prepare your heart than to die and have many regrets. See, at least someone's fearing in the back. (laughs) But you start to see the different dimensions of grace. You start to see which dimension you are in the grace of God. I'm in a grace where I'm getting to receive mercy and help in time of need. I'm in those two dimensions. One to, one to um, teach me to deny all ungodliness and another one to come in mercy and help. These are the two dimensions that are common to Christians today. We're not sold out for the gospel in the way that we should. And take it to heart, I'm not joking. We're not sold out for the gospel in the way that we should because the fruits will show. What are the fruits? You have a heart for God's people to make disciples, to teach them, not even teach them, to be that image. Now let's go here. It says, Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for God's stewards of God. Multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse, varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Now he's given a grace for spiritual gifts. And what's those gifts for? To serve the church and to serve one another. And I'm not going to speak about all the gifts, but I'm just bringing to your attention where God is taking you. If you want to be part of this direction and plan for God, you need to pay attention and examine where you are. Examine where you are as a believer. And there's no such thing as days and years the more you cooperate the more he gives the more you cooperate and you see for your own heart the more he gives i share something with you someone last week came up to me and he's and he said to me yeah how do you see for someone you sit with someone and you see what their problem is or you see where they need um, nourishment Or you see where they need direction Or you see where they need restoration And I said to them Or oh, you see where they need conviction Or you see where they need change And you know what I said to him? I said I learned to, to see and hear the Holy Spirit for my own heart Before I see for others See the moment you can, you, can, you can cooperate in the Holy Spirit for your own heart Is the moment God gives you grace to see for other people's hearts so many people want to see the Holy Spirit for other people's hearts, they don't want to see it for their own hearts. And God doesn't let you see it. I learned to, keep, to see conviction for my own heart. I learned to see, convi- to, to see change in my own heart before I looked at anyone else's heart. I learned to cooperate with him. That's why when I see with people, God lets me see. You know why? Because I saw the Holy Spirit for my own heart. I saw the Holy Spirit for my own change. And this is the key for seeing for other people. When you can see for your own heart, the measure you see for your own heart is the measure God will let you see for others. And this is more regarding ministry, being used by God. I'm just giving you a little treasure so you can understand why. Have I seen the Holy Spirit for my own heart first? Before I looked at anyone else's heart, have I cooperated with Him for my own heart? It's called deception looking outside before you look in. It's called hypocrisy. So be humble in this area. Because God wants you to see for your own heart, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now we're speaking about responsibility. But what does that show you what does that show us here? It shows us that our identity, what did Paul say? He goes, I thank God you are growing more and more by the love you have for one another. How did God measure growth? How did God, through the scriptures, through Paul, measure true growth? By the way we loved one another. You know, when I hear gossip and backbiting and slander in the ministry, my heart hurts. You know why? Because there's no growth i hear people every week talking backbiting and it shows me there's no growth because the greatest way god sees growth is how you love one another paul says i thank god you are growing more and more by the love you have showed one another love doesn't slander doesn't gossip doesn't envy it doesn't be jealous It doesn't uh, operate through that realm. And I'm not to say that we're not there yet. So here, the birth of the church is birthed in love. For us to see any gifts operating in the church, love has to be present. And you have to know something. Love has an opposition. It always has opposition. And your opposition, you have, a, you, have a, you have a right to be offended and you choose to overlook it. And in the book of Proverbs it says that the true wisdom of God is to overlook an offense. Isn't that interesting? That the true wisdom of God is to overlook an offense. Someone hurt you, yes, by the grace of God I'm just going to let it pass. That's wisdom. What's immaturity? Letting everyone know what that person done. That's not the cross. That's exposing someone else's nakedness. Are you a true person who covers someone? Are you a true person who someone can trust you with their sin? Or are you a person who exposed someone's nakedness so you can look better? Or so you can make someone else look like he's not valued? Or he doesn't have a voice with God? you begin to see what true love does, it covers, it protects, that's maturity, that's maturity. Love always protects. Okay, everyone will like this scripture. Second Corinthians, chapter 9, verse 8. God's grace is what activates all of God's earthly blessings. Okay, so let's read it here. And God is able to make all grace. Every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you, so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him, and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. Now, when I read a scripture in the New Testament, it shocked me that Paul commanded a slave... To work. And he said, work so that you have something so you can give to the needy. Now, isn't it interesting how we perceive the way of work? Work to build up your accounts, work to get more houses, work to build another empire. You start to see why God blesses you. God blesses you not so you don't you don't have anything, but you think like Jesus thinks about the ones who are struggling and have nothing. Look here. Why was every grace of God given with earthly blessing? Act of charity. So do you give for the kingdom of God? Because that's a grace. So, someone will say, okay, let's think a bit now. Let's think a little bit. The Bible says, God, we want to give not under compulsion, but we want to give out of a cheerful heart. How do you do it? You come and say, Lord, this is for you. I want to bless your kingdom. I want to bless your people. And what do you do? You give. What does God do? He starts to add more grace upon your life. Everything that God is given is for what? So you can give back to Him. So you can give back to Him. That's the, great, that's the greatest way God sees that the true grace of God is upon your life. Is that you're giving back to Him. Because it's all coming from Him. It's not given so you can hold it tight in your hands. Now, I haven't spoken about giving in the way God opened my heart to it. I've learned this secret in Him, but I'm going to share it with you. You know how powerful giving is? It was that powerful in the Acts of Apostles that it, 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 it allowed God to bring salvation to the man. You know that? The giving, the giving that the man was doing in the Acts of the Apostles, it allowed God to bring salvation to him because that's his heart. Even though he didn't know him, he commanded salvation to come to this man because he had the same heart as Jesus. So there are many laws and principles about giving and it prompts God to pay closer attention to you. This guy is after me. This man, he wants me. And I'll share something the Holy Spirit told me in the last one. And I see how you respond to it. Okay, next one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Now isn't this a testimony itself, this scripture here? It says here that Paul was in an abundance where God was using him mightily. And look how he responds. He tapped into the greatest source to receive this true grace. Look what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the remarkable grace of God, I am what I am. Isn't that interesting there, that statement itself? A murderer, a person who went after God's people and done uh, what ISIS do today. He said this statement here. And imagine you saying that without you being free. He was truly free knowing that Jesus has washed him. And given him a new identity. Isn't that interesting? And look at that. He didn't only give him identity to be free from what he done. Or the guilt of the condemnation or all those things that he done. He gave him identity that he's an apostle. That he's a true servant. A true ambassador of Christ. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that he received the greatest grace... And he done the most. Now, isn't that, doesn't that show you something? For God to use me the most, I must know who he truly is through the grace of God. Isn't that interesting? Paul done the, the, the mightiest things in God because he knew his identity. And it's not a good sermon, it's actually the truth. He knew who he is in Christ. He knew the great price that Jesus prayed. And does anyone know how long Paul was blind for? Does anyone know how long he was blind for? Three days, Jesus' resurrection. When he resurrected, he knew he had a new life. You see that treasure? After the resurrection, we have a new life. We are are a new species. That's a that's that's a spiritual treasure for you is about why Paul was blind for three days. Because after the resurrection from the dead, he was raised to a new life. Thank you, Jesus. Now look what it says here, but by the remarkable grace of God, I am what I am. And in his grace towards me was not without effect. In fact, I worked harder than all the apostles. Though it was not I, but the grace of God, his unmerited favor and blessing which was with me. You know what was interesting? Out goes self-righteousness and out goes man's works. When he stayed humble by giving value to the grace of God rather than his effort for God. God kept adding, kept adding, kept adding. Everything that he's done is by the grace of God. Everything that we are going to do is by the grace of God. There was nothing for the enemy to come and to feast on him and to allow him to be puffed up in his carnal nature. next one now this one's a very interesting one the immature cannot accept this one the one who's a babe in christ cannot accept this one if there's something that i can say to you of how god allowed me to grow it was through my weakness i can't tell you if <laughs> and i'll say this humbly it was through my weakness It was through my weakness and all the attacks of the enemy God was trying to do one thing in me was to produce true growth inside of me. I will never look at an attack like I used to look at it before and ask questions. Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? But I'm praying, but I'm walking with you. Why am I going through these things? I knew one thing. That any weakness that God allows me to go through is a true grace you know why because you will not leave the place of prayer I'm telling you in weakness you cannot get off your knees because you're needing God to strengthen you and to restore you how many people look at a weakness as a grace how does an immature believer look at a weakness the wilderness they complained and murmured and what not but in true weakness i truly looked at my character i truly looked at my own heart and i truly hearkened to the lord and Paul understood this Paul understood that any weakness i go through is a true grace because nothing that God gives will ever destroy you but allow you to grow. Nothing God allows you to go through would destroy you. A lot of people see weakness as a place where they're going to be destroyed, where they're going to be killed in their spiritual journey. But God doesn't see it that way. God sees that any weakness that he gives is to strengthen you. Let's read it. 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verse 8 and 9. See how we're getting more and more into the depths of the layers of grace. He says, concerning this I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might leave me. But he also said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available regardless of the situation my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. But that's a grace. That's a grace that the babe will run away from. I thought you loved me, Lord. Why am I going through this? You know why a lot of people can't stand? Because they're not prepared for it. And what does God do? True power is manifested in weakness. You're most effective in what? You're most completed. You're most effective in what? If you want to quench the grace of God, complain about your situation. Complain. And come to me and complain also. So you start to see. Okay, the last grace. I probably chose this. I believe it's the greatest form of grace because it shows something. Does anyone want to have a go at it? If there is a true grace, That God gives you, if there is a true grace that God wants to plant inside of you, how does it show itself? Just one word, whoever wants to. Patience, rest, humility, love, hope, surrender. I can't hear. Discipline. Peace. Obedience. Sacrifice. Keep going. If there is a true grace that God wants to give and is truly manifested in you, what is the fruit of that? Overcomer? Assurance? Salvation? Kindness? Joy? I'm just asking. Finish all right strength <laughs> yeah, you have one last thing. <laughs> this is a this is i believe the greatest form of grace that could be upon someone's life. <laughs> Let's go to second Corinthians chapter eight verse seven n i v version good. Here it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. This is the final destination of the grace of God. It says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, See that you also excel in this grace of. See that you excel in this grace of. What did Paul say? For the Lord said before he left, it's blessed to give then. Mm-hmm. You start to see how God sees the true grace of God in you. He excels in giving. Because when someone gives, he knows he's given it unto him. He knows it's for him. And that's the opposite of what? Selfishness. So the Holy Spirit spoke to me many months ago and he said this to me he said I want to teach you about the law of giving and he said sell nothing but give everything he said don't sell anything give it away and by the grace of God I've learned this treasure of what allows the grace of God to truly excel in me now everything that I've had since the beginning don't get me wrong Everything I've had since the beginning, I've gave it away. I never even felt led to sell anything but to give it away unto the Lord. And that's how the grace of God inside of me has increased more and more and more. I see God bigger. I see Jesus bigger than my own life. What else do you want? (laughs) What else do you want other than that? to see God bigger than your own life. You won't live for yourself anymore. And it's it's a decision. And I can't tell you, since I started my journey, a bit over eight years to now, of how the Lord has allowed me to grow in Him and to understand these principles. Now, isn't that interesting when you look at the grace of God? Paul said, I know that your, the, the gospel is is exceedingly bearing fruit in you and you're moving more in God's power because they've understood the grace of God. You see how, how many levels there is to the grace of God? You start to see how many levels there is to the grace of God. You see? And you start to see which dimension you are in the grace of God and you start to see which ones you try to cut corners and you start to see, am I building myself on a healthy relationship in the grace of God? Am I? Am I? That's why I'm in no rush to pray for anyone anymore. I'm in a rush more to establish them on the right foundation. That's my goal now. My goal is to teach people how to get to that place. It's So important. So... Study this and let it speak to your heart because there are many dimensions and many levels. One deals with sin, one deals with your own identity, one deals, deals with receiving forgiveness, mercy and help. The other one starts to deal with earthly blessings, appointment for you to operate in your calling, talks about responsibility. You start to see, am I responsible? Can I be trusted with the Lord's work? Is my heart there? And you start to work with the Lord. And you start to see where you are. If there is anything that I was most attracted to through the word of God, is to see where I am and where I need to go. And the Holy Spirit loves that vision. He loves that vision inside of you because he can continuously add. Imagine you have no vision. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where he's working. It's called being stuck. And that's the, <laughs> that's the sad part about the body of Christ today. We are stuck without a vision. We know Jesus loves us, but we can't go further than that. So I encourage you today. Whatever I said to you, I say it in the way it is. See where you are with the Lord and begin to work with Him. Don't be like that person in the beginning, who had an encounter with the Lord and didn't do anything with her with her faith or her journey. So a lot of people, I I encourage you this word from the Holy Spirit. Every week it's been like this. It's never changed. He directs me exactly what I need to preach and how I need to present it. I'm not interested in a good message. I'm interested in a message that's going to put you in the right direction. So work with Him. He loves us. He cares for us. But He's given us responsibility now. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Something I want to share with you before I pray. Every grace, it's still a grace. (laughs) Can I say it like this? Every grace is still a grace. So don't be discouraged, whichever level you are, it's still a grace. But work to get more grace, work to, to, to move more in Him into responsibility your calling and the responsibility to what you're going to give back to what God has given you but every level of grace is still a grace but many people stay there for years some people stay there for months don't be those people be an obedient people where you're growing more and more in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ Don't be a people that's common, comfortable, and just know Jesus from far. Know the work that he wants to do inside of you. And what's the first role of the Holy Spirit? Is building what? Identity. If you know your identity, you will know how to prepare yourself to walk. If you don't know your identity, you will struggle. You will struggle. So let's pray. We thank you, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the grace that's bestowed on us by the blood of Jesus. I pray, Father, today that you give us the grace to see where we are and to see where we need to go. Thank you. I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for this teaching. All the glory belongs to you, Lord. Everything that you have showed us, it's all by the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your truth. And thank you for putting it all together so we can move more and more inside of you. We love you, Lord. And from here to the third heavens. We worship you and we thank you for what you have done for each one of us and for what you're going to continuously do inside of us. We worship you. I pray for every heart here, Lord, that feels overwhelmed. I pray that you give them the grace and the peace that they can move more and more inside of you. Remove all limitations from them, remove any disappointment from them remove any forms of discouragement from them and allow them to know that you love them before the foundation of the universe. Thank you Lord for your sacrifice on the cross. We receive it by faith today and we receive the true grace that is always there at our hand to allow us to succeed and to walk perfectly in you. It is I am that I am, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we stand today together. Amen. Amen. Bless you all, and thank you, Jesus. If you want to take notes of those points, you're more than welcome to. But don't take notes of any other pages, please.